Welcome to Alabama Short Stories, when you're a little behind on your Alabama history. I'm your host, Sean Wright. For the last couple of years, the people of Birmingham and Alabama have been dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. It's not the first disease that has swept through Alabama, and it certainly won't be the last. We don't even know if COVID-19 is over just yet. Time will tell. Our citizens have battled yellow fever, polio, the Spanish flu, and various other diseases over the centuries. But nothing had hit Birmingham as hard as the cholera epidemic in 1873. Let's set the scene. Birmingham, Alabama had only become a city two years earlier. City services were still being developed, such as water and sewer. And residents of Jones Valley, where Birmingham is located, had a couple of options to receive water. A couple of miles north of the city is Village Creek. A reservoir was created there to supply people with a sanitary water source. Along the base of Red Mountain to the south were several public wells and springs. These were in the lowest areas of the valley, so when it rained, water would run down from higher elevations, making the groundwater less than sanitary. Now, the poorest part of Birmingham was Baconsides, where impoverished African Americans lived in huts on a hill above a marshy area. Now, the area is just north of 2nd Avenue North and to the west of where the Innovation Depot is now located. Residents had sunk barrels into the marsh to collect rainwater. And when rains would come, filth from the houses would wash down the hills and into the marsh, contaminating their water supply. Now, cholera first came to Birmingham by a man only known as Mr. Y, who had moved from Huntsville. He had been in Birmingham for six weeks before his bedding finally arrived in town. Three days later, he showed symptoms of cholera and died soon after. While it was suspected it may be cholera, the cause of death was not identified, so the proper disposal of the body for a cholera victim was not adhered to. It was assumed that Mr. Y did not become sick until his bedding arrived from Huntsville, which had been going through an outbreak of cholera as well. Now, when I say properly disposed of, I mean that the bodies of cholera victims would be disinfected with carbolic acid and buried, and bedding and clothing would have been burned. Less than a week later, two sisters died of the disease. They lived on a hill just above Baconsides. Do I need to tell you that their bodies and clothing were not properly disposed of as well? It is thought that their body fluids contaminated the water in Baconsides. Cholera spread like wildfire in that community, and according to physician Mortimer Jordan Jr., every house in Baconsides had at least one fatality due to cholera. Then the disease spread to the rest of the community. That summer, 128 people died. It might not seem to be that many today, but Birmingham only had 4,000 citizens at the time. By the end of the summer, half the citizens would move away to escape the disease. The Montgomery Advertiser reported, Families have been leaving here all day by every available means. Stores are closing up generally. Even the drinking saloons are shutting their doors. One drugstore has closed and several hotels and boarding houses. Another newspaper report said, All are leaving who can, and no business is being done except at drugstores and by physicians. Some people stayed in town to help, including many of the city's doctors. There were individuals such as city alderman Francis P. Frank O'Brien, who became so sick it was assumed that he was about to die. A casket was ordered, and the local paper prematurely printed his obituary. And then there were the prostitutes. Louise Catherine Wooster, 
Better known as Lou, was born in Tuscaloosa, Alabama in 1842, and the family moved to Mobile a few years later. Her father died when she was seven, and her mother when she was 15. Her family was ripped apart. Her two younger sisters were sent to the Mobile's Protestant Orphan Asylum, and Louise went to New Orleans to live with a married sister. Another older sister became a prostitute. Before her death, Wooster's mother had begged Lou not to let her younger sisters be committed to an orphanage. Lou assumed that would never happen and was surprised when it did. Within a few years, she returned from New Orleans with a forged letter and got her sisters released from the orphanage. They fled to Montgomery and moved in with a family friend. Following in the footsteps of her older sister, Lou entered a Montgomery brothel. In the early 1870s, industrialists flooded into Birmingham to profit from the area's iron ore. They were followed by rich men looking to make money and poor men looking for work. Lou saw an opportunity and she moved to Birmingham. She moved just in time for the cholera epidemic and was one of the prostitutes who cared for the sick and helped prepare the bodies for burial. Half the population had left Birmingham that summer, and once cholera had left, it was replaced by national economic depression. By the end of the decade, the city had only grown to 3,086. By 1890, the population had grown to 26,178. That is when Birmingham took off. After the epidemic, business was slow and Lou had to leave the city. She moved back to Montgomery, but returned to Birmingham as people returned to the city. In 1884, she bought a two-story building on 4th Avenue North between 19th and 20th Streets. She eventually purchased the building next door and lived in one and operated her brothel out of the other. What was unique about this location was that it was across the street from the Birmingham City Hall. That may seem like a risky location, but she was close to influential men, saloons, and hotels. She was very close to the police, which probably kept her more unruly clients under control. She had the cooperation and protection of Birmingham police, worthy of her high-class status as a madam. After the epidemic, physician Mortimer Jordan, secretary of the Jefferson County Medical Society, submitted a paper about the outbreak in Birmingham as part of a larger national paper. As he closed his report, he gave credit where credit was due. He wrote, Before closing this paper, justice demands that we should briefly allude to the heroic and self-sacrificing conduct during this epidemic of that unfortunate class who were known as women of the town. These poor creatures, though outcast from society, anathematized by the church, despised by women, and maltreated by men, when the pestilence swept over the city, came forth from their home to nurse the sick and close the eyes of the dead. It was passing strange that they would receive no pay, expect no thanks. They only went when their presence was needed and never remained longer than they could do good. While we abhor the degradation of these unfortunates, their magnanimous behavior during these fearful days has drawn forth our sympathy and gratitude. Lou Wooster retired in 1901 and rented the buildings that housed her brothel to other more typical businesses. In 1908, she moved to a house on Birmingham's south side to live out her years. She became a wealthy woman and traveled throughout the United States and possibly Europe, Australia, and Asia. But she could never be sure with Lou Wooster. One thing has been consistent over the years in our fair state. When Alabama doesn't like the narrative, it reinvents or retells the story to reflect how they want to be perceived. Louise Wooster was no different. 
1911, she published a book about her life called The Autobiography of a Magdalene. Wooster was a wealthy woman, but she was not part of Birmingham society, and it probably pained her greatly. Her book was a way of rehabilitating her image and maybe reinventing her story. It also took some jabs at Birmingham's good people, the people who would not accept her socially but used her services regularly. One story in particular stands out. During the early stages of the Civil War, Wooster claims to have had a passionate romantic relationship with John Wilkes Booth. Booth was an actor and could have traveled to Montgomery where they met and started their relationship. And since Booth was dead following the assassination of President Lincoln, he could not dispute the facts. Wooster claimed that Booth was still alive and would communicate with her from time to time. This story helped keep her name in the national papers and in the hearts of those who considered Booth a hero. Louise Wooster died on May 16, 1913. She was 71 years old. The funeral was held at her home, and she was buried at Oak Hill Cemetery. Rumor has it that gentlemen from Birmingham, who could not be seen attending her funeral, sent their empty carriages in respect due to the propriety of the times. In reality, her funeral was sparsely attended. Lou Wooster's image rehabilitation may not have gone as far as she had hoped, but her name has lived on. A downtown loft was named after her, and an opera was written based on the book. Many people still believe that Belle Watling from Gone with the Wind was based on her. It may be hard to know the truth, depending on where you get your information on Lou Wooster, but the one thing that is true is that if it wasn't for Lou and the others who stayed behind to take care of the sick and the dead in the summer of 1873, Birmingham might have ceased to exist. They truly saved the city. I am proud to announce that the book Alabama Short Stories Volume 1 is now available at Amazon.com. It features the first three season stories of the podcast in book form. It's a perfect gift for that friend or family member who just doesn't want to listen to a podcast. It's also great for podcast fans who want pictures with their stories. And it's a perfect gift for that hard-to-buy person in your life. You know who they are. Now get them the book. It's available as paperback, hardback, or Kindle version. Not only will it make your life better, but it will help us to continue to produce this podcast. It's a win-win. You can find a link at alabamashortstories.com or search Alabama Short Stories on amazon.com. Order yours today. <laughs>